welcome to Created to Reign, a production of the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. The Cornwall Alliance is a ministry dedicated to helping fulfill the mandate God gave mankind in Genesis 1.28 to subdue and rule the earth in a way that enhances its fruitfulness, its beauty, and its safety for the glory of God and the benefit of our neighbors. I am David Arnold Gates, and our topic today is gas stoves. No doubt you have heard the discussion that gas stoves are evil because they lead to childhood asthma. I'm not talking about gasoline stoves, and I do not recommend you cook with gasoline, but gas stoves that run on natural gas. You might have one of these anti-children appliances in your kitchen. I recently moved from a home that had a gas stove to one where I now cook with electricity. Not because I have children who are likely to develop asthma, but because, well, the new house does not have a gas stove. Why are we demonizing gas stoves all of a sudden? I think you know the answer. In the administration where the president has said, I guarantee you we're going to end fossil fuels, anything that uses fossil fuels as a fuel source must be ended. Gasoline cars, diesel trucks, gas stoves, they've all got to go. But here at the Cornwall Alliance, we like to go a little bit deeper. What is the science behind the connection between gas stoves and childhood asthma? I turned to an article in the Washington Post in its Climate 202 section. I guess this is for advanced climate activists, not just the newbies who can only handle Climate 101. Nevertheless, the article is entitled, Gas Stove Pollution Causes 12.7% of Childhood Asthma Study Finds. With a number of 12.7%, not just 12% or 13%, but 12.7%, you know it must be an accurate, in-depth study. The study suggests that gas stoves are, quote, on a par with a childhood asthma risk associated with the exposure to secondhand smoke. That says an awful lot, and in many different ways. The Post article notes that gas stoves are used in 35% of households in the United States, and they emit significant amounts of nitrogen dioxide. They estimate that nearly 650,000 children are afflicted with asthma that arises from their parents using a gas stove to cook food. Wow, that sounds scary. And who doesn't want to protect our children? They even quote a co-author of the research as saying, quote, it's like having a car exhaust in a home. Wait, what? I've cooked on a gas stove. I also stood behind my running car many times. You might have too. Trust me, the gas stove is not like having car exhaust in a home. This is hyperbole to the extreme, but as usual, it scares the public, which is why the article exists in the first place. Let's look at the company who co-authored the research. It is RMI, the Rocky Mountain Institute, whose motto is Energy Transformed. It is an environmental think tank dedicated to research, publication, consulting, and lecturing in the field of sustainability, with a focus on profitable innovations for energy and resource efficiency. The lead author cites his affiliation as RMI, but he is also a research associate at Rewiring America, a quote, leading electrification nonprofit focused on electrifying our homes, businesses, and communities. Now, if an oil company published a paper on the virtues of fossil fuels, or if a tobacco company published a paper on the benefits of smoking, or a pharmaceutical company published a paper on the benefits of its vaccine, okay, let me not get too carried away. 
But if any of these happen, you can be sure that the Washington Post would have rejected the story out of hand as mere propaganda. Not here. But I am willing to give even the fox a chance to plead his case that the chickens are perfectly safe in the hen house. The article, to its credit, is not a white paper published on the company website. It was published in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health. It was entitled, Population Attributable Fraction of Gas Stoves and Childhood Asthma in the United States. The journal has been cited for being lax on peer review, especially for special issues with guest editors, of which this paper is a part. But let's give the paper the benefit of the doubt and look at its substantive claims. The paper is not a difficult read. In fact, with all figures and references, it is only four pages long. Four pages. I've read comments and editorials that were longer. That's not to say you can't or shouldn't be concise. The paper is based on the calculation of the population attributable fraction, as the title suggests. In epidemiology, the population attributable fraction is the proportion of incidents in the population that are attributable to the risk factor. Here, the risk factor is exposure to a gas stove. So the calculation is the proportion of the population of children who have contracted asthma from gas stoves. The paper outlines the statistical methodology used by the authors. They use a particular equation to calculate the population attributable fraction. I cannot show it to you since this is an audio podcast. Nevertheless, the equation is fairly simple and uses as variables the proportion of households with children exposed to gas stoves and the relative risk of developing asthma given exposure to gas stoves. Now, I did a little looking through the literature because, as a scientist, that's what I used to do for a living. Within 10 minutes, I came upon an article entitled, Use and Misuse of Population Attributable Fractions. Written in 1998, the article lists five formulas that are often used to calculate the population attributable fraction. Formula number two is exactly the equation that is used in our gas stove paper. With regard to this equation, the paper Use and Misuse of Population Attributable Fractions notes, quote, not valid when there is confounding of exposure disease association and found in many widely used epidemiology texts, but often with no warning about invalidness when confounding exists. So what is confounding? From the University of North Carolina, confounding is an important concept in epidemiology because, if present, it can cause an over- or underestimate of the observed association between exposure and health outcome. The distortion introduced by a confounding factor can be large, and it can even change the apparent direction of an effect. Wow, that's a huge bias and a significant warning. So, do we have any confounding effects here? Sure. Did the researchers address having a smoker in the household? The Washington Post admitted that the effect of gas stoves was as large as the impact of secondhand smoke. Did the researchers address the genetic predisposition, the mode of birth delivery, breast versus bottle feeding, use of antibiotics, oxidative stress, or an industrialized lifestyle? All of these have an effect on childhood asthma. But nowhere in the vast four pages of the article were these or other confounding issues addressed or even mentioned. But come to think of it, I didn't see any discussion of real data either, just a modeling study. 
One would assume they collected data on children with and without asthma and children in homes with and without gas stoves to determine the effect of gas stoves on the occurrence of asthma. Now, the authors took summary statistics for North America and Europe to generate probability distributions of both childhood asthma and children exposed to gas cooking. They then took 10,000 random values from each distribution and voila, you have an average and a distribution from which confidence intervals can be computed. No data on children with asthma, just a model that is highly susceptible to confounding, which is prevalent in this study. By the way, why use data from North America and Europe when the study and its title purports to be from the United States only? Well, as the authors concede, we use the combined North America and Europe odds ratio for the relative risk in this equation, as childhood asthma in the United States remains relatively rare, affecting 1 in 12 children. Statistically, a probability of about 8% is not considered a rare event, but can they assume that the effect of asthma in Canada, Mexico, and all of Europe are the same as it is here in the United States? Not likely, especially with all of the unconsidered confounding variables. This is flawed research, no matter how you look at it. Indeed, when pressed by the Washington Examiner, the authors relented on their claim by stating the study, quote, does not assume or estimate a causal relationship between childhood asthma and natural gas stoves. Rather, it only reports on a population-level reflection of the relative risk given what we know about exposure to the risk factor. Well, speaking of data, a 2013 study published in Lancet Respiratory Medicine considered half a million children in 47 countries over several years. Its conclusion? We detected no evidence of an association between the use of gas as a cooking fuel and either asthma symptoms or asthma diagnosis. But of course, the goal was to write an article condemning gas stoves, get it published in an academic journal, and then garner lots of public press in an attempt to get a ban on gas stoves. It apparently has worked in 69 communities in California, and the California Air Resources Board has voted to ban sale of all natural gas appliances in California by 2030. Communities in Massachusetts, as well as New York City and Seattle, have both banned gas in all new construction. As the study's lead author has noted, gas stove emissions are significant contributors to the climate crisis. Let it be known that gas stoves account for only four-tenths of one percent of the total natural gas use in the United States. So without gas stoves, what are we to use? Electric stoves immediately come to mind. They run on fossil fuels, oops, or they can run on nuclear, or the not-so-clean and not-so-green wind and solar energy. But as Maurice Strong, former executive officer for reform in the office of the Secretary General of the United Nations, said in his opening speech to the 1992 Rio Earth Summit, current lifestyles and consumption patterns of the affluent middle class involving high meat intake, the use of fossil fuels, electrical appliances, home and workplace air conditioning, and suburban housing are not sustainable. So no, electric stoves are out. How about wood stoves? It requires one to either cut down trees for fuel, thereby reduce an important carbon sink, or use fallen trees, which removes the habitat for animals and replenishment of soil nutrients in forests. So wood stoves are therefore out. 
How about dung? A quarter of the planet burns dried animal dung for energy, including cooking. Many activists don't seem to think using dung for cooking is much of a problem because it puts carbon into the air that originally was taken out of the air by plants. So it is a renewable energy resource. But burning dung should be prevented at all costs, since burning it releases much greater amounts of dioxins and chlorophenols, and it has a higher value as a fertilizer. If you thought gas stoves were bad at polluting indoor air, well, dung is much higher up on that list. Yes, the dung stoves are definitely out. And so are kerosene and propane stoves, as they are fossil fuels as well. So what should we be using to cook? I guess the real answer is nothing. Meat needs to be cooked, but we're supposed to give up meat because, after all, we are now told animals are people too. And in some cases, animals are more important than people. But most vegetables can easily be eaten raw, which saves on energy for cooking. So I guess the take-home message is that we all should become extreme fruitarianists, where one eats only fruit that falls from trees or vines. In extreme fruitarianism, the goal is to refrain from harming the plant that created the fruit or vegetable and eat only what the plant has decided to discard. Or maybe we should again consider Acts 10, 11 to 15. Tell me again what was Peter told to do with the animals on that great sheet that descended in front of him? Thank you for listening to Created to Reign, produced by the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify and share the episode link with your friends. To learn more or support our ministry with a 100% tax-deductible donation, please visit cornwallalliance.org. Until next time, I am David Arley Gates, and may God richly bless you.